Hello, I'm Mercedes. And I'm Tash, and you're listening to episode 214 of Chat Disney. Welcome back to an episode of the Chat Disney podcast, and this week we are going to be talking all about a subject matter that is not very familiar to me, as those regular listeners may know. And we're going to be talking about Star Wars, and in particular, our ultimate guide to Disney's Galaxy's Edge. This is, of course, in honour of the Star Wars celebration that happened and took place in Europe this year, just last weekend. But before we get into all things Star Wars, let's have a quick look at what's been happening in the world of Disney this week. So first of all, kicking things off with some Disneyland Paris news. And this actually came from Star Wars Celebration in London, which is really exciting. So some all new scenes are going to be added to the Disneyland Paris version of Star Tours. And we don't know what these new scenes are going to feature. My best guess is that it will probably be some Mandalorian scenes. Maybe we'll see Grogu in there as a cute little pop-up cameo. That will be amazing. And this is going to be coming to Star Tours in Paris in 2024. As I say, this was announced live at Star Wars Celebration in London. So some really exciting news for all of the European Star Wars fans that attended. And these changes will also be coming to Star Tours in Disneyland and in Walt Disney World, but we do not have a date for those additions. Some more Disneyland Paris news this week and the park has announced that the guest parking solar farm, which we haven't heard very much about for a little while, it's been under development since 2020, will be completed at the end of 2023. So this year, the solar farm parking place, I guess it is, solar farm parking panels, I I don't know what the collective form of that word is, is currently generating approximately 27 gigawatts of energy and this will go up to a staggering 36 gigawatts of energy by the end of the year so Doc Brown would be very happy, he'd be able to power lots of DeLoreans with that amount of energy. My favourite bit of news to have come out of Disney parks this week some terrifying and i really really do not use that word lightly some absolutely shockingly terrifying easter bunnies were spotted in disney village in disneyland paris resort just last easter weekend now if you haven't seen these already you've got to go and google them honestly i thought they were trialing costumes for halloween horror nights they are absolutely petrifying they don't even look legit they look fake they don't look disney and why they're in disney village as well so many questions i have absolutely no idea what was going on in the costume makers of disneyland paris's minds but if you want to giggle definitely go and look up the disney village easter bunnies from last weekend Some more exciting news from Disneyland Paris. The Incredible Hulk has finally made his debut at Avengers Campus. This is, of course, that really sensational Hulk meet and greet that we've seen where Hulk is wearing what looks like the time-travelling outfit from Endgame, so the kind of white Ant-Man suit that they all wear. Really, really clever technology. This combined with some of the other technology we've seen recently, including robots that can walk, the little Doody Hops robot, and also the, the Tinkerbell meet and greet where Tinkerbell really is you know real size and and you don't have to shrink down to Tinkerbell size before you meet her really really amazing so great to see that this Hulk has finally made its debut in Paris and final bit of Disneyland Paris news for this week and most exciting arguably as exciting as the terrifying Easter bunnies Disney Dreams has returned and it's backed by popular demand disney's illuminations which was of course a bit of a rehash of the shanghai fireworks never really took off in disneyland paris it wasn't designed for that castle it didn't quite work so uh, lots of fans including myself are very happy to see that disney dreams is back I'm going to have to book another trip just to see Disney Dreams. And heading over to Walt Disney World for some news today. And Disney has shared that from April the 16th through to April the 23rd, there will be unique character appearances on the Discovery River character cruise at Disney's Animal Kingdom. So be sure to keep your eyes peeled for these unique character experiences and and sightings. I can't wait to see which characters they are referring to. 
We've also had the 50th anniversary wrap removed from the monorail. Obviously, the 50th celebrations are coming to a close, so this was to be expected. And quite excitingly, we've had a brand new pair of mini ears which have been released in Walt Disney World, and they represent all four parks. And the ears are black and gold, and they feature Spaceship Earth, of course, for Epcot, Cinderella Castle for Magic Kingdom, Tower of Terror for Hollywood Studios, and you guessed it, the Tree of Life for Animal Kingdom. And it's really nice to actually see a pair of ears that do encompass the whole resort. And finally for Walt Disney World, we have some super, super exciting news this week. And Walt Disney World have announced that they are bringing an early booker package to the table for Walt Disney World trips. Now, this is going to be on offer for any trips that are happening in 2024. So good news if you are planning a trip and haven't yet booked it. It's not available just yet, but from the 20th of April, you will be able to go online and secure this package. And now what is being offered? So first of all, we're getting up to $2,100 on dining and merchandise, which is amazing. So it doesn't have to just be be spent on dining you can spend it on merchandise as you wish across the parks as well we're also getting the standard 14 day ticket for the price of a seven day ticket which i think is pretty bog standard for us in the uk now days that are booking a disney trip you're also getting the memory maker included in that as well which is worth 199 dollars and which is basically all your ride photos character photos any photos that are taken professionally around the park and they are also offering a $200 gift card with a hotel and ticket package. Although, if you do book your flights um, at the time of booking your holiday, or if you add them on later, I believe, they will increase this up to $400. So that is potentially, let's have a look. So if you're getting the $2,100 plus $400, that's potentially $2,500 that you're getting towards dining and merchandise, which is amazing. I think this is one of the best offers we've actually seen be offered for Walt Disney World in a while we don't have the dining plan back yet of course I don't know if we will be seeing that anytime in the future or anytime soon but this is a really really amazing deal so if you are planning a trip next year then do hold your horses wait until the 20th of April and then definitely log on and get this booked because you can make some amazing savings here in terms of what they are offering you very very exciting stuff Heading over to the other American park this week, Disneyland, and Disney has revealed a first look at Rogers the Musical. So what started out as a bit of an in-joke in the Disney Plus series Hawkeye is now set to be an actual real-life stage show at Disneyland. So within just a matter of months, fans will be able to watch this musical in Disney's California Adventure Park, where it will be playing five days a week at the Hyperion. And Disneyland resumed the sale of all four of their annual pass Magic Keys on April the 11th. The Magic Keys did, of course, replace the annual pass system back in 2021 and were met with much controversy. And the sale of new Magic Keys had been temporarily suspended for quite a while. And this is a bit of a trend that we're seeing across all of the Disney resorts around the world. Uh, Walt Disney World had a bit of a freeze on their annual passes. And most recently, there is currently an annual pass freeze at Disneyland Paris. At the time of recording the Believe key has actually already sold out. So by the time this goes out, I wouldn't be surprised if all of those Disneyland Resort annual pass magic keys have sold out. So it just goes to show how popular these things are. It really, really does. And heading over to Shanghai Disneyland as well. And Oswald the Lucky Rabbit has made his debut in Shanghai. So big welcome to Oswald. And I'm sure that he will be welcomed by the Chinese with open arms. And it's Year of the Rabbit. Very, very fitting indeed. And sticking with Asia, some Tokyo Disney news this week. The new 40th decorations are up. We spoke about the new parade last week. We had some exclusive screenshots leaked. And now there is a full video of this parade available on YouTube, along with the brand new theme tune, Ready in Colour, which is really, really catchy. I absolutely love it. It definitely gives me the same energy, the same vibes as Disneyland Paris's Ready for the Ride and it's called Ready in Colour, I wouldn't be surprised if the same person wrote it, to be honest. Yeah, me neither. It is a catchy, catchy tune, as you say. 
And we've got some shop Disney news. There is a lot of news today. And the world is crazy at the moment for munchlings. So Shop Disney have released some brand new ones, including a mini pizza, a Dante hot chocolate, a tramp hot dog, and several others. And they're all meant to be based on street food. Very, very cute. Definitely go and check them out. And sticking with munchlings, there are also now some munchling water bottles and plant pots, which have been spotted on Shop Disney US and in Hollywood Studios as well in Walt Disney World. I love me a munchling and I actually have a friend that's going to Walt Disney World in May and I've asked if he can pick me up one of the munchling water bottles but I'll be honest with you I don't have very much hope that they will still be available by then so we will see and heading over to some movie news this week and actually it's kind of Disney kind of not I am of course talking about the animated movie which has taken the world by storm the Super Mario's brother movie from Illumination Entertainment now you might be thinking why is this disney bear with me so the movie opened on april the 5th and it is already shattering records the mario brothers film is the first major cinematic outing in decades for these characters and it passed frozen 2 to hold the record for the highest grossing global opening weekend of any animated movie in history so it's completely destroyed all of the walt disney classics at the box office which is crazy and this makes the super mario opening the overall best performing initial release of 2023 so of the entire year so far obviously we're only in eight April, so there is still an opportunity for something to overtake in it, um, but it also surpasses Despicable Me 2 by over $200 million as Illumination's biggest opening ever, so the animation studio really is ramping up and, and going for blood when it comes to Disney. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they are some crazy, crazy numbers there. A little bit of business news today as well. The Walt Disney Company has named its first ever chief brand officer. So Disney have said that he will be responsible for stewarding and elevating the Disney brand globally across the entire ecosystem of company touch points and consumer experiences. And the man himself, Bob Iger, made the announcement that Disney's president of market marketing, Azad Ayaz, will step into the new role of chief brand officer and Ayaz will also continue his role as president of marketing for the Walt Disney Studios. He is going to be a very busy man. Very busy indeed. And a chief brand officer is a role that I'm starting to see pop up in businesses as well. It is is kind of a new coveted role. And I think, you know, when we think of brand and, and brands that get it right, Disney is the first that springs to mind. So I'm not surprised that they now have a chief brand officer. And final bit of news this week, very, very exciting. We're looking to you, Marvel. And we've had our first trailer released for the Captain Marvel sequel, The Marvels. And this will, of course, carry uh, carry on with uh, Captain Marvel's story, but also incorporates characters like Miss Marvel and even Monica Rambeau's character as well. So we see these three very powerful women, all with their own kind of unique talents and, and, and powers, cross paths and the trailer looks really really interesting it actually gives away quite a lot of the plot of this movie so if you don't want any spoilers i probably wouldn't watch the trailer because i think for me personally it gave me a really good picture of what to expect in the sequel to captain marvel and that is pretty much everything that's been happening in the world of disney this week it's been a busy week we are now heading into a galaxy far far away and giving you our ultimate guide to disney's galaxy Galaxy's Edge. So before we dive into Galaxy's Edge today, I do just want to caveat this with the fact that both Tash and I have visited Galaxy's Edge, but only in Florida. So we will be talking about the Walt Disney World version of Galaxy's Edge in Hollywood Studios today. We will not be discussing Disneyland's Galaxy's Edge as neither of us has been there, so that wouldn't be fair. Now, before we dive into Galaxy's Edge and give you all of the things you need to know, our hot takes, tips, tricks, all of that, we do want to address one of the rumours that has been circulating amongst the Disney community for a little while. And that is, of course, that a Galaxy's Edge is coming to Walt Disney Studios in Disneyland Paris. And lots of fans, myself included, were waiting for the announcement at the Star Wars celebration in London over the Easter weekend 
And unfortunately, it didn't come. So we know definitively that there were originally three lands planned as an expansion to Walt Disney Studios, the first of which is Avengers Campus, which has been delivered. Tash has been there. We've done an episode on it. Go back, give it a listen. The second of which is Frozen Land, which or Arendelle, if you will, which is under development at the moment. And some really great progress shots have been leaked online. So it looks like that is definitely happening. The third was meant to be a Galaxy's Edge. But we haven't really heard anything since the D23, which happened before the pandemic. And it seems like Disney are backpedaling in quite a big way. And the fact that the announcement was absent from the most recent Star Wars celebration has definitely got me a little bit skeptical about whether or not this is still going to happen. I think we can probably safely assume that it's not. So, Tash, any thoughts on that? Are you disappointed that we're not going to get that now? I mean, my first thought is, yeah, it's definitely not. Like, this would be the perfect opportunity for them to give a really exciting announcement about it. And the fact they didn't even touch upon it, we're not getting that land over here. Um, as someone who is not, a, not a, I mean, I say not a massive Star Wars fan. I'm not really a Star Wars fan at all. I prefer Star Wars over Marvel. I have watched the Star Wars movies and I do really like Galaxy's Edge. So I think it would have been cool to get that area in Paris. So I do think that it is a big shame. And also... Star Wars is massive, right? So there are going to be a lot of big Star Wars fans that are very disappointed. And I feel like, kind of the similar with Marvel, I feel like the fact that Disney own, Disney now own Marvel and they also own Star Wars, I feel that that they're missing a big opportunity here of getting new people into the park and people that probably haven't visited before. Like I know friends of friends that are not into Disney but have said they want to go to Walt Disney World just to be able to go to to, um, Galaxy's Edge so yeah I think it's a bit of a crying shame and a big opportunity that they've missed out on here and I can't imagine what they're going to put there that is going to be any better than Galaxy's Edge. Well, I am glad you asked. So there are a few rumours that are speculated on the internet. There are two that have really taken off. One of them, I think, is actually kind of based on fact. The other one is just kind of an educated guess. So we'll start with the educated guess. And that is, of course, a Pandora. It makes a lot of sense. Avatar 2, The Way of Water, it, you know, it's it's we're talking about box office smashing earlier with um, Super Mario. I mean, Avatar 2 is in a world of its own. The Avatar franchise is only going to get bigger. We know that we've got a third and a fourth installment coming out quite soon. James Cameron has obviously really ramped up the, the amplification and the marketing budget and all that kind of stuff and Bob Iger himself said in the shareholders call that we were going to be seeing a lot more avatar in the Disney parks and he sort of um already leaked that there will be some form of Pandora coming to Disneyland in California so Pandora is something that is is being leaked and, and gossiped about amongst fans but again I think it's kind of all based on speculation educated guesswork at the moment there's nothing concrete now the other rumor that is circulating and this one is so random that I feel like it has to be based on fact because I just don't understand where this has come from. And I'm curious, Tash, have you have you heard what the other big rumour is? I've not, no. I had heard the Avatar one, but I've not heard this one. So this one is arguably picking up more traction um, and it's the one that most sort of diehard Disneyland Paris fans believe is, is going to happen. I, again, I don't know specifically why this is. You'll probably have to dive into the deep depths of Reddit or something to, to find out where this rumour first came from. But it definitely seems like it's more tangible because of how outlandish it is. And that's the Lion King. So there is a rumour that um, the Pride Lands is is the name um, and that it's coming to Walt Disney Studios. I'm not a huge Lion King fan, as I've mentioned um, on the podcast several times. I think it's a fantastic movie. I think the music is, is, you know, top tier. I do think it's a little bit overrated. I definitely think it's had its day. But more to the point, I can really imagine a Pride Lands in, a you know, the beautiful Florida sunshine, but in the miserable, dreary, grey sky that will be the backdrop in Disneyland Paris. I, I can't see this one working out. I love The Lion King and that, no, like that, that just doesn't work. Like that park is already incredibly random, I think. And I think if you put Pandora in there, I guess it would kind of work and I can see it working. Um, especially now you have got Marvel in there, right? Because it's not like, you know, it's not like classic Disney. Whereas, I don't know, putting a classic Disney land, and also there are no other lands just dedicated to one film from like 
the Renaissance, apart from obviously we're getting Arendelle, but yeah, that is just this very random, very, very random. I'm not a fan of that. No, it is really random. But one thing I think everybody can safely agree on, and whether it's going to be Batu Galaxy's Edge, which it seems less and less likely as the days go on, or if it's Pandora or if it's the Pride Lands, it definitely feels as though Disney and I think the theme park industry in general are very committed to this idea of an immersive land where you are part of the story right you go to Batu, you are whoever you want to be you're a jedi you're a stormtrooper you're a sith lord whatever you want to be you're part of that landscape you don't just go into a show building like you do in fantasy land you know here's it's a small world in a black box here's peter pan's flight in another it's very much that you are in the movie and we see this with avengers campus we see this with pandora we see this with galaxy's edge we're going to see this with arendelle we even see it in Universal Studios, you know, with their new Nintendo World, which I can only imagine is going to be even more popular now off the back of this Super Mario movie that we spoke about in the news today. So I think that that's definitely the way things are trending. And I have to say, in keeping with today's theme, I really believe that Galaxy's Edge kind of paved the way for that. It was the first time, certainly that I'm aware of, that one of these big global theme parks said, you know what, we're not going to just have a land that's kind of like loosely themed. Actually, do you know what, I'm lying. I'm lying. Universal did it first. I think the Wizarding World of Harry Potter is the first one I can think of. And obviously we know what a huge success that's been in both LA and also in Orlando. So yeah, so I think Disney may have got their inspiration somewhere what from from universal yeah definitely i and that is basically the reason why i do love galaxy's edge you know i'm not a big star wars fan but i love the fact that it is so immersive and that you do get cast members going around looking at people like dirt because they're i don't know what role they're meant to be playing and things like that but i love that whole thing like i would you know we talk about secret cinema i know it's not disney but we've spoken about it quite a lot on this podcast before and i would go to a marvel secret cinema and have a great time because of how immersive it is and yeah i may not understand like certain nuances and things but i just love being taken into an immersive world and it's the reason i always say i really wish i loved marvel but i just i just don't because i love the whole thing about the multiverse and now that it is more presence in the present in the parks and it has that more immersive thing i would like to be able to enjoy that more so yeah that's basically the whole entire reason that i enjoyed galaxy's edge well, you did have your chance of doing a secret cinema Marvel. There was a Guardians of the Galaxy one literally last year that I went to and was very, very good. And they have done Star Wars as well. So secret cinema have partnered with Disney a lot in the past. And I believe that um, I heard a rumor that they had signed a deal for three and they've done two. So hopefully we will have a third one coming soon. So yeah, maybe Disney has taken inspiration from immersive theater and things like secret cinema as well. Who knows? But that's what's so special about Galaxy's Edge and it's definitely what I found the most breathtaking thing about it when I went in September. It really does feel like you are in a movie. I love the fact that Batu as well is this fictional planet. We do not see Batu in any of the Star Wars movies. It is just for galaxy's edge that's it and yes it's very similar to tatooine which is the planet for your benefit tash that luke grows up on kind of desert planet is very similar to tatooine and i think it kind of had to be because that is what you think of when you think of the star wars universe yes there's ice planets and there's forest planets and underwater planets and things like that but that kind of desert landscape of tatooine i think is the most kind of synonymous architecture and and so on that we think of with star wars so i think it's great that batu is like tatooine but as I say, it's its very own place, which I think is smart from the Disney Imagineers because they can do whatever they want. It doesn't have to be accurate. It doesn't have to be like a map for Tatooine. It doesn't have to be like, oh, you know, how can Luke's house be there and, you know, the cantina be over there? Because it's a made up place. Batu can be whatever the Disney Imagineers want it to be. Now, I do think a missed opportunity 
here is the fact that we have Batu in Disneyland and in Orlando. What I think would have been really amazing is if we'd had a Galaxy's Edge in LA and in Orlando and hey, even in Paris, and each one had been like a different Star Wars planet, like a different imaginary planet. I think because then, Tash, to your point, people that aren't that into Disney but are huge Star Wars fans, then they're going to be like, right, well, I've done Batu. Now I want to go to LA and do whatever planet, you know, they've made up over there. Yeah, absolutely. Another missed opportunity. So let's talk about some of the specifics with Galaxy's Edge. So let's start with attractions, right? So we've got two attractions at Galaxy's Edge. So we have Smuggler's Run and we have, um, oh my God, what's it called? (laughs) Rise of the Resistance. Correct. Yeah. Um, So I haven't been on Rise of the Resistance because when I was in Florida, it had just opened and it was that crazy, crazy time where you literally had to be in the park as it opened to be able to secure your place in the queue via the app. And it was, we spoke to a load of people when we were there that were like, it basically goes within seconds. Like it's impossible to do unless you are literally the first people in the doors. And I was like, well, I'm not that huge a Star Wars fan. I'll go again at some point in the future when the hype has all died down, you know? Um, but yeah, Smuggler's Ride, I really, really enjoyed that ride. And I, you know, I'm a big fan of, of Star Tours. And I think you always say Mercedes that, Star Tours is your mum's favourite ride, but she's never seen a Star Wars movie. Is that right? That's correct. Exactly. So I kind of feel like it's the same with with Smuggler's Run. Like I, in preparation for our Walt Disney World trip, did watch all of the Star Wars. I didn't actually complete all of them, but I can't remember where we got to. I think I you tried. I tried, yeah. So I, I had some understanding of, of Star Wars and what it means and all of that. And yeah, I, I thought the Smuggler's Run was done really well. I like a simulator ride anyway. Obviously, this has got an original spin on it in the fact that whoever is on your aircraft is operating the ride, which can obviously have its downside. When we went, my husband and I were both engineers, so we were doing the same thing, so the same experience. And the people, the pilots of the plane were two children. So needless to say, we were kind of going all over the place a little bit. Um, so I have heard other people say that it can dramatically worsen the experience if you've got someone piloting the plane who is not very good. So yeah, there's definitely a downside to that. And I think that for someone like me who was not massively bothered about this ride, it wasn't that disappointing. But I think for a massive Star Wars fan, if you want to go on that and then you get assigned something like an engineer and you've got someone who's a bit incapable, probably someone like myself, I think I would be rubbish as a pilot piloting that plane then you're maybe going to have a very dis- dif- dif- disappointing got tongue tied there experience and I think that yeah there's a bit of a shame but there's no way really around that when you kind of give the power to the people yes and no so that's Tash's hot take as a big Disney Parks fan and I would go as far as to say a, a disliker of the Star Wars cinematic universe I am not a uber star wars fan let's get that straight i would absolutely not be able to hold my own in a competition against anthony from the force ghost awakens uh, not the force ghost awakens the force ghost podcast i would lose every time i hey i wouldn't even be able to match my husband on star wars i would call myself a fair weather star wars fan i have like a pretty good knowledge but i definitely don't know all the intricacies of like the books, the animated series, the video games and things like that. But I've watched all the movies multiple times and yeah, I I can hold my own a little bit. And I had that experience, Tash. So I'll speak to you a little bit about my experience of Smuggler's Run. Um, Now, unlike Tash, don't worry if, if you listen to last week's episode and you're like, wow, you know, they got this guy, Nathan Firesheets, completing all of these rides around the resorts and Tash doesn't even want to use a virtual queue. I was just as angry with her as you. Do not worry. We do not contone that kind of behavior at the Chat Disney podcast. If there is a brand new attraction, get your virtual queue. However, I went in and this was after virtual queue. So I went in September. Tash was lucky enough to go when Galaxy's Edge had just opened and it was normal queuing and Genie Plus. And I was adamant I wasn't going to purchase that Genie Plus unless I absolutely needed to. So I was there at Rope Drop, one of the first through the gate. And guess what? It was down. And that is one of the worst things about Rise of the Resistance, which we'll come to talk about in a second. It does have a lot of downtime, which is unfortunately quite normal for new Disney attractions at the moment. Anyway, that aside, I was like, right, 
quick decision. What do I do? I don't want to waste time. Everyone else is going to Slinky Dog Dash because that's going to get a huge queue. So I'm like, no, I'm going to do Smuggler's Run. It won't have a queue. It'll be a walk on. And then I can assess my options. So I went straight to Smuggler's Run. I think one of the most breathtaking elements of Smuggler's Run as a Star Wars fan is the fact that you are in the Millennium Falcon. I think that the queue for a Star Wars fan is arguably more exciting than the attraction itself. So if you are thinking about doing a Genie Plus or single rider or anything like that just bear in mind that you know you do miss some of that queuing you will still get to go into the millennium falcon because that's how you board the attraction but you know if you're really really into your star wars and you want to see all the artifacts and da 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 then you you want to be in the normal queue so we went in my husband and I first thing in the morning no queue pilots we didn't even have engineers there's there's actually six roles that you can be assigned two of them let's be honest are really really unnecessary I actually forget what they even are you've got your engineers I think there might be like fighter like um like shooter type roles but yeah they're they're completely meaningless so there are actually three different types of roles but very um often I think yeah as I say the other roles are kind of meaningless you want to be a pilot so it's just the two of us in our aircraft we didn't have any engineers or anything literally just the two pilots and we had an amazing, amazing experience. One of the pilots is the person who's responsible for doing up and down. And the other pilot is responsible for your side to side. And then one of you, I can't remember if it's up and down or side to side, but one of you has to do the jump into hyperspace as well. So really, really fun, especially for a husband and wife, because you've not just got this one person piloting this thing. I'm going left and I'm like, I'm left. I'm as far left as I need to be for this thing that's about to collide with us, but you're not going up quick enough. So, you know, there's a lot of back and forth between the two pilots as well, where the one who's up is getting frustrated because the one who's meant to be steering you right hasn't done it. And it's great. You know, you bump into things. It's really, really interactive. Now, is this technology groundbreaking? Is it state of the art? I'd argue no, because actually you're just playing a video game. Realistically, it's a video game in a simulator, right? This technology has existed for years and years and years. You're basically just, it's video game technology in an attraction, which we've never seen before. But again, as I kind of alluded to in the beginning of today's intro with Universal kind of always beating Disney a little bit, we've got an immersive Mario Kart experience now in Universal Studios. And I can only imagine how incredible that is. So this this notion of like putting video game technology into a ride, yeah, it's cool. I think it will date pretty quickly. And to your point, Tash, regarding like being an engineer, I was bored out of my brain. So the second time I went on it, I did ride single rider. I became whatever the back one is. I don't think it is an engineer. I'm really getting confused. You have the like pilots at the front and then there's two roles and then there's two roles. Whatever the very back role is, that was what me and my husband were. So we're with a family of four and yeah, mum and dad have let the kids be the pilot. That's not going to be me if I'm ever a parent. That's not my parenting style. <laughs> I'll be like, you're not being a pilot because we will crash. You can be the engineer. But anyway, they were kind, loving parents that let their children be the pilot. And I had a terrible experience. I was being thrown around. I felt sick. I'm not great in like a car anyway. I get travel sick. And because I was at the back, I couldn't properly see out of the screen. It just wasn't a very enjoyable experience. It's the same route every time as well. So where with Star Tours, you have a completely different experience every time because you'll go to like a different planet. That's not the case with with Smuggler's Run. It's always the exact same path. So I've already completed this and been the pilot. Now I'm stuck at the back pushing buttons while some kids crash into everything. Wasn't the most enjoyable experience ever. So it's definitely a must do, especially if you're a Star Wars fan. But I did come away from it a little bit disappointed, especially the second time when I was an engineer. And I'm sorry, I'm going to die on this hill I still don't think it's got anything on Star Tours I mean I yeah I prefer Star Tours I love Star Tours but I think as well because you also have Rise of the Resistance now and I mean that is really such a hyped up ride and such a talked about ride that now um Guardians of the Galaxy why was I even gonna say that oh my god I don't even remember <laughs> from my Star Wars um what is it called we Smugglers run. It's run. <laughs> My brain today. I'm running on very little sleep here. Smugglers run, I think, 
it can't even compare to Rise of the Resistance, right? I mean, I've not been on Rise of the Resistance, but, you know, I've heard many a good thing. And so I feel a little bit sorry for it almost in in some way that it's not ever going to hold up to to be the same. It's almost like, you know, Rise of the Resistance is now going to be the one that people aim for first and then you go on Smuggler's Run afterwards and it's like, oh, start yeah. Yeah, I agree. I'm really glad, actually, that fate had it that I ended up going on Smuggler's Run first because I completely agree with you, Tash. It is a good ride. I think the main appeal is the fact that you are flying the Millennium Falcon and how many little boys and girls grew up dreaming of flying Han Solo's ship. That's the really appealing thing about Smuggler's Run. And for my husband, who has grown up with Star Wars and is the biggest Star Wars fan that I know, the fact that he was flying the Millennium Falcon, like that's the dream. And I wish they'd found a way to make everyone a pilot because that's the experience you want, right? You want to fly, you want to be Chewie and Han Solo at the front of the Falcon. That's what you want. And if you're not, it is a bit lackluster. So Anyway, that's kind of how I felt about Smuggler's Run. And as I say, I had this experience where I'd rope dropped Hollywood Studios. I'd gone straight to Galaxy's Edge. Rise of the Resistance was down. So I went on Smuggler's Run. There was no queue. There was nobody else even in our compartment. I came off it and lo and behold, Rise of the Resistance had reopened. So we got straight into the queue and queued for honestly like 15 minutes. The luckiest experience probably of my entire Walt Disney World trip. And oh my God, I am going to spoil the attraction because I feel like it's been out for a little while now. So if you don't want any spoilers of Rise of the Resistance, skip maybe like five minutes into the future and join us in in a wee moment. Um, But Rise of the Resistance for me... Is it my favorite Disney attraction based on like all of the nostalgia and the emotion that certain Disney rides make me feel like Haunted Mansion, things like that? Probably not. But in terms of like just looking at an attraction and ticking boxes and sort of scoring it for theming and technology and all that stuff, it is a masterpiece. Like it is a piece of art. It is the best piece of Disney Imagineering I have ever seen and think I will see for quite some time. It really is a marvel. So you go in and the first thing that's really apparent is the storyline as soon as you're in the queue. So the idea is you are rebel spies and I I hope I've got this right, but you're basically trying to get to the rebel base, I believe. And you're in this queue and it's very kind of in keeping with Batu. It's like muddy and grotty and like whatever. And then they take you in cohorts of like 30, the rebels. So the cast members are in character, which we love to see. Brings me back to like the early 80s, 90s kind of universal um, vibes on things like Jaws and King Kong and stuff like that. So the cast members are dressed as rebels and they're like, quickly, quickly, go, 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 go. And you run out of the queue, like, oh my God, what's going on? Into an air carrier. And you're on this aircraft and you're flown by one of the fish people. I don't know if it's Admiral Akbar or another fish person, but it's one of the fish face people. And they fly you, they're taking you to this rebel base, but then unfortunately your aircraft intercepts with a empire, not the empire, the resistance, the resistance, because we're in the universe of like Finn and Ray and Poe Dameron and BB-8, it's that timeline, so the most recent timeline. And anyway, a resistance ship sees you and sucks you in and you see this happen. You see like, oh, we're being sucked into the ship. The doors open and my mouth dropped. And I'm sure lots of you have seen this on TikTok, YouTube, Instagram, etc. This is that epic stage where you just have hundreds of stormtroopers and they are animatronics they do move it would be really cool if every now and again they had a cast member like come out as one like that would be amazing but you've basically just got like hundreds of stormtroopers standing in this ginormous room high seat i don't know how they conceal the building for this attraction honestly it's amazing and you're a prisoner so you're being taken into their ship the cast members now have the black outfits that we see Domhnall Gleeson's character wear, the kind of like military style outfits from the newer movies. 
And they're horrible to you. And it's funny, actually, on the Theme Park Trader podcast um, that Ryan and Dan run, they were doing negative reviews of Disneyland and they were, there was a thing about cast members being horrible. And they were like, did they not know that they were in character? Like they're meant to be like part of the um, the resistance. But um, not the resistance. I keep saying the resistance. I don't mean the resistance. What do I mean? It's the Empire and the Republic. I think it's the Republic. I'm going to have so much abuse for my lack of Star Wars knowledge here but you know I did warn you so you're with the resistance you're a rebel you're with the resistance they're the republic not the empire because that's Darth Vader's time but basically the same thing anyway so they're in these like black military uniforms and they're horrible like horrible they're like shouting at little kids they're like did I tell you you could move from that dot they're like aggressive you're a prisoner my husband was wearing a t-shirt that had rebels and and stormtroopers on it said something like rebel rebel empire it's like an old t-shirt that you've had for years he was wearing that and they were like what's this and he was like no 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 look Darth Vader's on it like I'm on your side and they were like oh good um and yeah they were just they were funny like they were asking they asked a kid where we were going and they were like I don't see how that's any of your business where do you think we're going and the kid was like Uranus and oh he was not impressed this guy it was hilarious the dad had obviously like put him up to it but anyway so we're bantering with them whatever then you get put into these like little pods and you're standing there honestly I haven't even got on the ride yet right so this is how spectacular this whole thing is so you're in this room and Domino Gleason and Kylo Ren are like telling you that you're rebel scum and blah 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 and all this stuff and then you hear this like whispering and I actually thought the ride had broken I was like what is going on you can hear this like clanking of pipes and whispering and then all of a sudden in that kind of like cartoon-esque way a door starts to get like cut out like almost lasered out like um you know like in an old like cartoon where someone's like doing like a bank robbery and they like cut a hole out and then sort of move that that kind of thing happens you just see this door appear and you're like what the hell and it opens and again you've got more cast members this time dressed as rebels and they're like quickly quickly we're breaking you out we're breaking you out and then you get into your you run because you're like oh what's going on Um, and you're like a headless chicken through all of this like what is going on this is literally half an hour of stuff and I've not even got on the ride yet and then they put you into your ride vehicle and the ride I won't spoil the ride too much because we'll be here forever but the ride is basically the same technology as like the Ratatouille ride that we see in Paris and in Epcot it's that trackless system it's different every single time you ride because the ride vehicles go in completely different directions it's a dark ride it's got animatronics it's got screen technology it's got drops it's got lifts it's got everything and anything that you want to ever want to imagine this is a bit of a spoiler but my favorite bit is when you go into the launch pod right at the end and there's like a tower of terror-esque drop that I did not see coming and then of course at the end you go outside and you're in Batu, and that's where the rebel base is and it's all happy and cheerful so yeah I mean the only thing I can compare it to Tash that you've been on but even then I'm like not doing it justice is like a Shanghai Pirates of the Caribbean kind of scale where it's like the perfect fusion of real life sets rotations movement screens just all the newest technology of Disney with like the best possible storytelling you've got John Williams music blaring out because it's Star Wars it is epic beyond epic and yeah, just for me, top tier attraction. Does it beat things like Haunted Mansion for me from like a sentimental perspective? Probably not. But if we're looking at like pure engineering, it's it's just there's nothing else on the same level. I mean, yeah, it sounds completely phenomenal. And I really would love to go on it. I haven't actually watched any spoiler videos, but I might because God knows when the next time I'm going to get to go to, to Florida is or California. But yeah, it sounds phenomenal. And I feel like they've reinvented right the way that we do cues now and this whole immersive thing i mean i love that i love the, the idea that you know they've just got these cast members shouting at people and hilarious that people you know i obviously know about this because i'm a disney fan but if you weren't and you were just going to florida and you weren't really a star wars fan either and you stumbled across this ride then yeah you'd probably be in for a little bit of a, of a shock and i love the idea that it's probably um yeah had been a, an interesting experience for for some people 
Yeah, definitely. So yeah, I mean, Galaxy's Edge, two big attractions there. Both are great. Both are really, really good attractions. But obviously, Rise of the Resistance definitely takes the crown and was my favorite ride in the whole of Hollywood Studios. Although I did really like Mickey's Runaway Railway, but maybe we'll talk about that in a future episode. So some of the other big things with Galaxy's Edge are, of course, food and drink, merchandise, and of course, that impossible to get Ogre's Cantina reservation. Tash, did you manage to secure a reservation at Ogre's when you went? We did, yeah. We got quite a good slot, actually. We got like an early evening um, slot, which was perfect for for going for drinks. And I mean, I don't think my husband will mind me saying because he fully acknowledges it, but he was so grumpy. I should have called him grumpy the day that we went to Hollywood Studios. He was just not a pleasant person to be with. Um, but he actually did sort of come alive a little bit when we were in Ogre's Cantina, but I feel that might have something to do with the cocktails, maybe. Um, but yeah, again, I loved Ogre's Cantina. It was the one place I knew I really, really wanted to go when we were going to Florida. And some people even said to me, you know, like, why are you that bothered if you're not a Star Wars fan? But it is, it's that whole immersive thing. And I just wanted to see, you know, if it lived up to the hype and everything, the cocktails I wasn't too bothered about. I mean, I think we had two each and we had different ones each time. Or no, I had one cocktail and then I tried like the blue wine, which is basically just wine with food colouring. Um, and they were fine, but they were nothing to write home about. Obviously, they are kind of Star Wars inspired, but the inspirations that they're, they're drawn from don't really mean anything to me. Um, so yeah, that was kind of my experience of Ogre's Cantina. It was very busy. So if you are getting a booking then, then do be prepared that even though you get a booking, you probably will be standing. And we were stood at a table with, I think it was a German family. So it's quite social and nice in, in that aspect, but you're not going to get like a private um, table, unlikely, or you're unlikely to sitting there because it is so busy. And it did get busier the, the longer that we, we we were there and it ended up being at the point where you were like basically squished in. Very, very busy, um, which may not be the experience that some people would be envisioning that they would have. And you, I remember, had a bit of a nightmare with yours because of the hurricane when you were in Florida, didn't your booking... You missed the day of your bookings, then you had to try and get another one. That is correct. Yeah. So we were meant to go to Hollywood Studios on our third day in Walt Disney World. And it was, of course, when Hurricane Ian happened, which completely messed up all of my dining reservations. So not only did I lose my Ogre's Cantina booking, I then had to find another slot for it without ruining another, you know, dining reservation that I really wanted. For example, you know, if I had Beast Castle in Fantasyland, it's like, well, I don't want to do it that day because I want to do Beast Castle. So I had to try and find another day where there was a dining reservation that I was happy to sort of lose in favour of Ogres. Would I do Ogres again? No, absolutely not. I was quite disappointed with it. I'm really glad that we did it because, as I say, my husband's a huge Star Wars fan and it's kind of the must-do thing in Galaxy's Edge. I certainly wouldn't go with a family. From my experience, if, you've, if you're if you a family and you're really into Star Wars, great, go once. Um, but even then, I'd say with older children, it is very cramped. It is very noisy. Um, I obviously went during just after the pandemic. So every day was peak season and it was just after the hurricane. So crowd levels were particularly high, but they're always going to do the bookings to full capacity. And this place is always sold out. So it's always going to be busy, whatever time of day you go, whenever it is in the year. The cocktails are really disappointing. I went for the fuzzy wonton because I'd heard, or fuzz, no, fuzzy tong tong because I'd heard so much about it. If you're traveling with somebody who hasn't done any research, definitely get them to drink the fuzzy tonton for entertainment value because it makes your entire mouth go numb, which is great, which is why I had that one. So I wanted to try it out myself. The cocktails are pre-mixed. I think they come out of cans. Um, because of this, it means you can't add or remove any ingredients. So if you do have any allergies or there are flavors that you're not particularly a fan of, don't expect like gourmet bartenders or anything like that. These are pre-mixed cocktails. Really, really not great. And for the price that you're paying, not a good experience. Don't eat there. There's only one meal. It's a charcuterie board and it's meant to be like from the Star Wars universe. I've just seen nothing but negative reviews of this thing. So I didn't order it and I do not recommend that you order it. I was really pleased that while we were there, 
the DJ who is the old pilot from Star Tours, that little white annoying robot that used to pop up that's been replaced with C-3PO. He's now the DJ and he did play the cantina while we were there. I would have been really disappointed if I'd left and not heard that. I didn't hear the music from Moz's bar, which is that you did that. I really thought I'd hear that, but did not. I think I was there an hour max and we were like ready to go. We were standing, we were put on a table with two other parties, a party of three and a party of two plus us. And the tables are not big. They're like your typical standing table that you would see at a bar in London or any other sort of vibrant city around the world. So yeah, I'm glad I went but it's a crowded, noisy experience. It's so busy as well that it's really difficult to take in the Star Wars details. I wanted to do like a lap of the bar and you're encouraged to stay at your table. You're not really allowed to do that. So I absolutely wouldn't bother again. I think it's really overrated. As I say, I'm glad I've done it and experienced it for myself. There's no way that that was going to happen. Like I needed to go for myself. I absolutely wouldn't be taking children there. I absolutely wouldn't be taking non-Star Wars fans there. It's interesting. It actually feels like Tash had maybe a better experience of it than I did. I just found it loud, crowded, with really overpriced canned cocktails. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I I wouldn't feel the need to go again, having been been there once before. And yeah, I wouldn't take a family there either personally um we were very lucky we were stood right by the the d is his name rex or something that little dj and um, we were stood right by here and he also did the da, 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 um which is yeah one bit of, of star wars that i actually really enjoy um so i was very glad of that but yeah i think if it was if it wasn't at full capacity and you could actually sit down and you could take it in and you could wander around more, then I think it probably would be a better experience. But yeah, once you're in, you are kind of stuck to your area, your table. So if you're not anywhere near the DJ, as it were, then yeah, you're not really getting a good a good view of, of him and you can't, yeah, you can't get to the bar very easily. I think it's table service, if I remember rightly. Um, yeah, and when you've been walking around a Disney park all day, I feel like with dining reservations and things, like you do want to be able to sit down and it's not guaranteed at Ogre's Cantina. Yeah, it, you're absolutely that. And we were like, where we were was just to the right of the DJ, but we had our backs to him. So again, because you're assigned a table with other people, we had to just go around the side. The three people, the party of three were already there. So we had our back to the DJ looking at the bar, you're not allowed to go to the bar <laughs> um you're just standing in a loud crowded room for an hour it, it's a weird one it's a weird one and then other kind of offerings food and drink that we have in galaxy's edge aside from go ogre's cantina we've obviously got the ronto roasters which is famous for the ronto wrap the ronto wrap is basically i believe it's a pork sausage which for us in the uk is really normal because our sausages are always pork but for most hot dogs in the US, it's actually beef sausage. So I think the pork is quite novelty. But anyway, very delicious. It comes in um, like a peppercorn sauce with the slaw in a pita bread. My husband had one, said it was absolutely delicious. So definitely a good quick dine option. You can get the Ronto wrap from Docking Bay 7 as well, which is the much larger quick dine. So if you just want the Ronto wrap, go to Ronto Roasters. If you want to offer or sample everything that's on offer at galaxy's edge then docking bay seven's got a much bigger choice you've got the ronto wrap and i believe they do a breakfast version of the ronto wrap there as well you've got things like tuna pokey you've got pork ribs you've got some um endorian chicken it's funny when they first released the menu all of the meats had different names because obviously a lot of things in galaxy's edge as Tash mentioned, like the cast members talk in a in a different tongue. If you speak to them about Star Wars, for example, they'll they'll act completely ambivalent because they they live within that universe. So the concept of a Star Wars franchise and movie is, is a foreign concept to them. If you ask them about Slinky Dog Dash, they're not going to be able to help you. And the original menu that came out for Galaxy's Edge didn't say chicken. It had like a made up animal. And obviously there was a lot of pushback and, and negative feedback from guests being like we need to know what we're actually eating so the menus have been updated and they've got some plant-based options as well they have the plant-based meatballs which are really really popular i'm always seeing those on different food channels and things are really really popular and then of course 
almost as famous as Rise of the Resistance itself, there is the milk stand where you can sample the blue and green milk straight out of the Star Wars movies. I asked the cast member at the stand what they tasted like. I actually asked for a sample and they told me they don't do samples, which I do understand because, you know, can you imagine if they did samples, no one would ever buy one and the queue would be horrendously long. But it was first thing in the morning, Galaxy's Edge was dead. There was nobody around. There was nobody behind me in the queue. I feel like I could have had a little sample and I was definitely going to buy one because I wanted the novelty cup, which I've used the whole time at home still. And anyway, he wouldn't give me one. But I asked him what they both tasted like, and I preferred the description of the blue milk. So that's the one that I went for. It was really, really nice. It was like a creamy, fruity slush, basically. Really, really recommend. So yeah, that's pretty much dining in Galaxy's Edge in a nutshell. Did you manage to eat anything, Tash, while you were there? We didn't know. Um, I wasn't that bothered about eating anything there, to be honest. Um, we did go to the milk stand as well and also tried the blue milk, um, which I thought looked very much like like laundry detergent or fabric softener um but yeah it was it was fine um again wouldn't feel the need to to have it again um yeah and there's no way that really cries out for me in terms of dining although I would like to try the vegan meatballs there we are and then of course the other really big thing to do in Galaxy's Edge and it probably doesn't come as a surprise that neither myself nor Tash did this is the droid experience, which again, just like Ogre's Cantina, this is something you've got to reserve in, in advance. It does get booked up very, very quickly. And so if you want to go and build your own droid to take home or your own lightsaber, you can do that experience. I think that one is probably for the really diehard mega Star Wars fans or for younger Star Wars fans. And um, so my husband, who's really into Star Wars, that's not really his kind of thing. He would probably say it was childish or whatever. I have no judgment. If you're an adult and you want to go and build a droid, please be my guest. Live your best Star Wars authentic fantasy. I love that. But I think for us as a family, if we had a child who was really into Star Wars, then maybe that's an experience we would go and do together as a family for the child to have the lightsaber or the droid to take home but for just me and my husband that wasn't the kind of thing that we would normally sort of typically do no absolutely it's um not on my list either and I probably wouldn't do it for you know unless I had a child or I do have a child unless my son was a huge 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 Star Wars fan then I'd do some sort of treat for him but yeah I'm probably not going to do that one I don't see it in my future I actually kind of do see it in my future. I feel like if I have a child, it's inevitable that my husband will brainwash. In the same way that I will brainwash said child with Disney, I'm sure my husband will try and get them into Star Wars. And you know me, I love a bougie limited edition experience. So I'd be all there queuing up at the front for the droid. I Yeah, I definitely. Disney have got me by the throat, I feel. Is that is that the phrase? A chokehold? Disney have got me in a chokehold. And I feel like I am exactly the kind of idiot that will take their child to build a droid. Yeah, I I, I can see that happening. (laughs) So that is basically Galaxy's Edge in a nutshell. So from two, you know, one non-Star Wars fan and one self-proclaimed Fairweather fan, um, hopefully we've done a, a fairly good job of of, of this. Um, but if you have been to Galaxy's Edge or if you think there's anything that we've missed or you just want to send in your thoughts, then as always, you can contact us. We are on Instagram at Chat Disney. Or find us on Twitter at Chat Disney UK. We are now going to head into the final part of today's episode, a very special Star Wars edition of What's This? What is this? So to make things interesting, I thought I would think of something to do with Star Wars for Tash, our non-Star Wars fan, to try and guess. So the way that What's This works, if you are new to the Chat Disney podcast, is that One of us will think of a thing. It's basically 20 questions. And the other person has the opportunity to ask yes, no questions until they guess said thing. Sometimes we do it 20 questions. Sometimes it's timed. I feel like today we'll go for maybe the 20 questions and see where we go, Tash, as it's Star Wars. I feel like we want to give you a bit more opportunity to try and guess the thing. Okay, right. I hope I can actually get this. I hope you made it quite simple. Is it something that is specifically in Galaxy's Edge? Do you mean it's only in Galaxy's Edge or yes. the 
can be seen there. It's only in Galaxy's Edge. No. Okay, cool. Um, is it a person? Yes. Okay. Um, is it a character who features throughout all of, most of the movies, like the original six movies? No. Okay. Is it someone who is from something post those six movies? Yes. Is it the Mandalorian? Yes, that was too easy. We're doing that. I thought that you wouldn't get the Mandalorian. I thought there was a chance you could get Grogu, but I thought uh, you think of our good pal Pedro Pascal, Dindarian himself. Okay, let's that's too easy. I'm doing another one. I need to go harder. Um okay, I've got it, I've got it. Okay. Um is it from the original six movies? Yes. Okay. Um are they a villain? No. Okay. Um, are they? Oh my god! See, this is where I'm. I'm like, I don't know what other questions. Are they a human? No. No. Okay. Are they? See again. I don't know what all the different. Are they a fish person? No. <laughs> That's the only creature that I I know. Um. So I'm just gonna have to guess things now. Um. Is it Yoda? No. Is it C-3PO? No, you didn't ask me if it was a character. Oh, is it a character? I just assumed. Oh, well, you know what happens when you assume. Is it a character? No. <laughs> a place? No. Is it, a, um, is it a, a, a mode of transportation? No. Oh, um, is it a planet? No, that's a place. Is it? I suppose, yeah. Is it a food? No. An animal? No. So what, so it's not it's not a place, it's not an animal, it's not a character, it's not food. I literally don't know what else it could be. Is it a drink? No. Is it a is it a language? No, but I like your thinking. Am I on the right lines? No, but you need to, yeah, yeah your category. Um, <laughs> I honestly have no idea. Is it... Uh, more guesses. Is it... Is it in the films? Or yes, yes. Film? Is it yeah. music? No. Okay. Um, is it a costume? No. Oh, is it a prop? Yes. Is it a lightsaber? Yes. Hey. And how there many left? One. There's one left. You had 19 questions. There we go. Who would nice. have thought that Tash would guess the Mandalorian over a lightsaber? Who knew? Who knew? There we go. So that pretty much concludes today's episode. And as always, we will be back next week at the same time and the same place. Bye for now. See you. Thank you. Goodbye now. Goodbye. Goodbye. Thank you. Goodbye.